Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary PHX in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is the long-awaited Savior. I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor Mark. I would like for us to turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman. Fullness of time. I wonder, what does fullness of time mean? And it literally means when the full number of days arrive, or better, when the time was right. When the time was right, God sent forth his son, born of woman. You know, many thousands of people had been waiting in the, uh, during the Old Testament times for the Messiah, waiting for the prophecies to be fulfilled. And not everybody was ready when Jesus was born, but there was this anticipation, when is the Messiah coming? But it had to be the right time, correct? The right time. And the Lord had prepared the world for the Messiah's coming culturally through the Greek empire and through uh, the establishment of the Roman peace and the building of roads so that you could go to the smallest little village and you could... um, get transportation there. There was language, one formal language. Everything was prepped for the travel and spreading of the gospel and for uh, the word of the gospel to be able to be written down. Prophetically, everything was ready too. The prophecies had been fulfilled, and now it was time for those final prophecies that led to the expectation of the Messiah to be fulfilled. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Um, This refers to a very specific prophecy, born of a woman, and I think it reminds us of the most ancient prophecy of the Messiah in the Bible, and goes back to the book of Genesis itself. And uh, there in the book of Genesis, uh, there is this prophecy to Eve. God gave to Eve. God said to her, uh, because the serpent had deceived her, God said to Eve, the one who's to come, I'm going to give you a son, and he will crush the serpent's head. The serpent will bruise his heel. And so there'll be a time when Satan and his power will be absolutely crushed, but Jesus was bruised in the process. Born of a woman reminds us that a son is coming. Now I want to go to the book of Isaiah. And let's look at uh, so Isaiah chapter 7. Here's a prophecy concerning this child. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign... Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Now, this promised son, God sent his son in the fullness of time. God sent his son born of woman. The woman will be a virgin and this son is going to be named Emmanuel, 
but he has many names. Let's look at chapter Isaiah 9, and let's look at verse 6. Okay, you ready? Here we go. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus' long-awaited Messiah came to be Savior of the world, and the prophet Isaiah names this child. This long-awaited Messiah is so glorious that one name can't contain all of his wonder and his character and what he's going to do. And so as we explore his names, I want you to see which one you identify with the most. According to this description, his name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus is better than you could ever imagine. Remember those days when you just heard about Jesus and you couldn't believe who he was? He was what? Wonderful. The Holy Spirit takes an adjective, which is a descriptive word, and makes it a noun, a name. His, his name is wonderful. Not what he does is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Wonderful in Hebrew means marvelous. It means astonishing. It, this is no ordinary child. It's difficult to describe him in human terms. His life is no ordinary life. The Messiah is going to uh, have a nature and a ministry that would excite wonder among people and wonder in the world. And his ministry is going to be absolutely miraculous and astonishing. Wonderful is one of Jesus' names he used before he came in the flesh. Did you know that? Before Jesus came in the flesh, he appeared a couple of times to people. Not as, my name is Jesus, but he would appear. He appeared a couple of times. And we call this theophanies. These are when God God unveils himself. So before Jesus came on earth, was born in Bethlehem, he did appear a few times in the Old Testament. These are theophanies. And one of these theophanies, he says his name is wonderful. Let's look, go back, hold your spot here in Isaiah 9, and go to the, the book of Judges. Judges chapter 13, verse 11. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, what? I am. You always know there's something up when you hear that. And Manoah said, now when your words come true, what is to be with this child's manner of life? What is his mission? And let's look at verses 16 through 18. And the angel of the Lord, now the angel of the Lord does not mean an angel. The angel of the Lord, an angel simply can mean a messenger. So the messenger of God, this doesn't mean an angel, this can be the Messiah, this can be Jesus himself. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that the angel, this was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? 
so that when your words come true, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is what? Wonderful. What is this angel's name? Wonderful. He says, why do you ask my name? And look at verse 22. And when Noah said to his life, we shall surely die, for we have seen who? I told you the angel of the Lord was Jesus. Amen? Amen. His name is what? Wonderful. We've seen God. And so going back to Isaiah 9, verse 6, I thought you might enjoy going back and seeing how in the Old Testament his name was already wonderful. So Isaiah says his name shall be called wonderful. Everything about Jesus is wonderful. Who he is is wonderful, right? Uh, The father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased. How Jesus came to this earth is wonderful. His birth was miraculous, right? He's born of a virgin, Isaiah 7, verse 14. That doesn't happen unless God does it. But it was prophesied that Jesus would come, God in the flesh. Angels announced his arrival. Host of angels saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Jesus' love is wonderful, amen? It's astonishing that anybody would love you so much that he would die for you. Jesus came to do that. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If it comes between the wolf Me and the sheep, I, I will die rather than my sheep die. The apostle John wrote in 1 John 3.16, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you know, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, 1 John 3.16 says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Scripture's saying, How do you define love? This is the way we know love, that he laid down his life for us. His love is eternal. It's constant. It never changes. God's love for you is not based on what you've done for him. A lot of good people here. But you know what? God's love for you is not based on who good you are, what you've done, what you haven't done, what you've stopped doing. His love for you is not based on that at all. His love for you is based on his complete choice to love you. I choose to love you. Oh, do you choose to because, no, you're like the dog pound here. It's the way it is, okay? The dog pound. And somebody is walking through, what dog do I want? What dog do I want? What dog do I want? All sorts of dogs. You see this scrawny one over there? I don't know, your heart goes out because I want that one. Well, did it make you want it? Did it? No, you chose it, and that's my dog. That's the one I want. I don't know if it's house trained. I don't know any of this stuff, but that's the one I want, and I choose to love that dog, and that dog will never really understand why I love it. God has chosen you, and his love is based on his choice, so his choice won't change. God doesn't change. If you're loved by God... You're blessed. You're in. You never get out. 
His love for you doesn't come and go. He loves you 100%, 100% of the time. His love for you doesn't kind of change. Now, his power as well is wonderful, right? Think of the miracles that Jesus did. I mean, one after another, some of the miracles were prophesied. Messiah would do them. Messiah would calm the sea. The Messiah would feed the multitudes. The Messiah would uh, heal the blind and, and set free those who were captives. These are all predicted what the Messiah would do. But Jesus did miracles beyond that. Now, looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, and the next name is what? Counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. This means that Jesus is able to help us. The term counselor can be used in two different ways. One is, uh, it means somebody who offers advice uh, like a marriage counselor. Or it can refer to someone like an attorney. Uh, You go to your counsel as you're talking about your attorney. It's somebody who defends or prosecutes an accused person. He's the wonderful counselor. He gives counsel, he gives advice, and he also defends his children. The Hebrew, the word in Hebrew is interesting. The word ya'atz is the word counselor. Ya'atz. But in ancient Hebrew, each letter was, uh, had a picture. Ancient Hebrew was written by picture figures that evolved into their alphabet. Okay, so these picture figures, initially, they all had a meaning. The picture had a meaning. Ya'atz was written using a yud, an ayin, a vav, and the tzaddik. Okay? So there are those words, yud, vav, ayin, vav, tzaddik. Now let me tell you what these letters mean. In ancient Hebrews, the yud was a hand, or it can, make, it can mean to make or determine. The ayin was an eye, and that means to see. The vav was a nail, which meant to make something secure. In the tzaddik, the picture was a fish hook, and it meant to catch or to need. So the, the Hebrew word picture of counselor is this. The Messiah would be the one who knows and sees and makes secure our needs and desires. Let me say it again. The Messiah is the one who knows and sees and can make secure our needs and desire. Jesus is a wonderful counselor because he's the only one who has all the answers, right? The apostle Paul said that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus. I need wisdom, I need knowledge, where do I go? Jesus. Jesus is a counselor who diagnoses our deep spiritual emptiness. Not only does Jesus diagnose, but he also can solve problems. Jesus has the wisdom to solve your problems. People people came to Jesus with their problems and questions all the time. In the book of John, I think of three times. In John 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus with the problem. What must I do to be born again? 
got a problem. Jesus gives him counsel that leads to his salvation. In John 4, Jesus counseled a woman at the well, and her life was forever changed. John chapter 21, Jesus counseled Peter. When Peter was discouraged and depressed and defeated because he'd forsaken Jesus, Jesus counseled him. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't quit. Don't quit. Feed my sheep. Jesus is a compassionate counselor. I'm going to tell you, earlier in my life, I saw a counselor who was not a compassionate counselor. This guy would hear, kind of interrupt, and then point out where I was wrong and how what God's word says, and you need to, well, you know what? I know God's word. It wasn't the problem of being ignorant. I needed, I needed a little empathy or at least sympathy here. I need for you to try to get on the page with me and see my place and then speak truth to me. I don't, it just wasn't compassionate. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't compassionate. A good counselor is someone who lets you feel a, a sympathy. They have a sympathy toward you. A sympathy doesn't mean they've gone through exactly what you've gone through. Or they have an empathy. Empathy means you've gone through what this other person has gone through. I have kidney stones. So I've had doctors who were just like, you know, get over it. You can pass a stone by yourself. No pain med. Then I went to a different doctor, urologist. This urologist is completely different. Oh, man. He'd pass kidney stones. He could say, I know how you're feeling right now. You're not going to be able to pass this one. You need to have this treatment. And hey, here's some pain med. You feel like you're dying, okay? You feel like you're dying. It's not improper use of pain med. What's the difference? One person can empathize, the other can criticize. Jesus is a compassionate counselor. He counsels us uh, through our circumstances sometimes. He directs us. I mean, in our, this whole birth narrative of Jesus, uh, one of the ways that uh, Joseph and Mary were led by the Lord was through a secular Caesar who made a decree. Way months before the decree was everybody, you know, had to go to your father's, your tribe's, basically, uh, household, uh, city, and so for Joseph, it was Bethlehem. Of course, all of these prophecies are falling into place because the Messiah had to be born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. The Messiah had to be persecuted. As soon as he was born, Herod in his persecution, the Messiah had to flee to Egypt. Then after a while, the Messiah had to come back into Israel. The Messiah had to live in Nazareth. The Messiah would grow up. Then the Messiah would minister around the Sea of Galilee, teaching and performing miracles. The Messiah would die, buried, and be risen from the dead and ascend to heaven. So that's the whole story that was predicted in the Bible. And the beginning of the story all has to do through God using secular circumstances to be the guide, to be the thing that kind of turns us a certain way. God can use the secular circumstances of our world. God himself just will say, I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you shall go. I'll guide you with my eye upon you, Psalm 32, 8. 
God counsels us through our friends sometimes, doesn't he? They have wise counsel. Look for somebody who's walking with the Lord who will give you counsel, though. Proverbs 27.9 says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. That's very expensive stuff. Primarily, Jesus counsels us through his what, gang? His word, primarily. The Lord will counsel us. He gives us wonderful counsel through his wonderful word. With your counsel, you will guide me. This is the counsel of the Lord. This is how the Lord speaks to us. And I said, it means to, the word counselor means to, to give wise, you know, like wisdom, like a marriage counselor, but I also said it can mean counsel as one who defends you. And we are in a spiritual battle, and Satan does accuse us. Satan, in Hebrew, his name is the accuser, one of his names. And the Bible says he accuses us before God day and night. Why should you save him? Why should you save her? He may bring up your sins before God. And if he does that, I'm like, oh my, I'm sunk, right? How about you? I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. But the Bible says, no, you're not, because you have a defense attorney who stands before the God, before God. And you, you read about it in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you in order that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a defense attorney, we might say a counselor, with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Accuse me all you want, Satan. Jesus defends me before the Father. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not for our sins only, but for those of the whole world. Okay, we got it going. You guys need to go faster. What's the matter with you? Come on, come on. Listen faster. Here we go. Jesus has also given, going back to chapter 9, verse 6 of Isaiah, for us a child who is born to us, a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, what? Wonderful Counselor, then what? Mighty God. Mighty God. Prophet Isaiah predicted that this child, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, would be the mighty God. Even the best of people are still just people, right? Jesus is so much more because Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is God. People all the time, at the time of Jesus, had different ideas about him. One time in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Matthew 16, 14. And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All these ideas of who Jesus was, kind of like today. But Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. You know, today, just like in Jesus' day, about everybody who has heard about Jesus admits that he's a pretty good person. You don't hear people criticizing Jesus. Never really heard that. Islam appreciates Jesus. Islam says he was a great prophet, one of the greatest prophets 
outside of Muhammad. New Age philosophy said that he was the Christ spirit in the world. Other religions acknowledge that he was a good teacher. And the average person in America would say, you know, he was a nice guy. But Jesus is more than a, a prophet. He's more than a Christ spirit. He's more than a good teacher. He's more than a nice guy. Jesus is God. Matthew quoted Isaiah 7.14 to prove that Jesus is God. In Matthew chapter 123, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus was born, his name was to be Emmanuel, God with us. The disciple John, listen to these. I know you, most of us believe it, but why? The apostle John testified that Jesus is God in John 1.1. 1, 1. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It goes down to say the word is Jesus as you go down in John chapter one. The word, Jesus, was with God, and he was God. He is God. And in 1 John chapter five, verse 20, it says, we know that the son of God has given us understanding so that we may know who is true, and we are in him who are true, and in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. The apostle Paul declared Jesus as God. He called Christ God over all, blessed forever in Romans 9. The writer of Hebrews says that the son of God is God, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, the angel Gabriel announced in Luke 1, he will be great and we be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of David. And of course, Jesus himself claimed to be God. One point he says, before Abraham was, I am. I am was the name of God. This means that Jesus deserves our worship, amen? He isn't just a messenger from God. He is God the Son. Now, the mighty God, let's just focus on this for a second. He is the mighty God. The Hebrew, the Hebrew is El Gibor. He's the mighty God. The Hebrew word translated Gibor means, basically, it means a man. Even in modern Hebrew, the word Geber is translated man in, in, in spoken English, like you're going to go to Israel and they're speaking about a man. It's Geber. El means God. So literally, El Gabor means he is wonderful counselor, God man. El Gabor, mighty God. Isn't that cool? He is God man, the God man. Jesus is also given the title, the name. Everlasting Father. You see that? Everlasting Father. Now, who is this referring to? I mean, is this referring to God the Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a triune God, the Trinity? He's the Father, Father God, you know. Is he the fa- No, this isn't talking about 
Father, our Heavenly Father, the, the first person of the Trinity as we refer to him. This isn't speaking of God the Father. This is speaking of Jesus Christ, God the Son. Say, well, how can he be a father? Glad you asked. I love it when you ask the question. Keep your mark here in Isaiah 9 and go to the book of Hebrews. Now, we're just going to jump in into Hebrews chapter 2. And this is what the Messiah says. Uh, Let's look at 12. He says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Verse 13. And again, he says, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Here are the children, the Messiah, Jesus says, that God has given to me. Jesus is a father. And who are his children? Yes, we are the children of Jesus. He is the everlasting father. He cares about us. Every one of us has a father need. We were created with a father longing, a father need. And some of us, uh, we, we never knew our fathers, so that father need has never been filled. Some of us, our fathers have passed away, and so there's a, still a father kind of need right there. Some of us had a bad experience with our fathers. We never experienced that, having that father longing, satisfied Some have been abandoned. A whole generation of many have been abandoned by fathers. They're not there. Our fathers are detached or disinterested. Fact remains, we're not created to be orphans. We're not created to be fatherless. We have a father longing in Jesus, our eternal, our everlasting father is there for us. He provides the fulfillment of our father neediness. Maybe you identify with this name of Jesus right now. Jesus provides for us love and protection and provision. He's wise and he's our guide and, and he strengthens us and he's always available to us. Always picks up the answers, you know, the cell phone when we call. Never goes to voicemail. He's always right back answering our texts. He's our daddy. Everlasting Father, his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what's the last? Prince of Peace. How is Jesus the Prince of Peace? Well, first of all, he gives us peace with God. For those of us who believe in Jesus, we're not at war with God anymore. We were at war with God before we were saved. And God was at war with us. The Bible says, the soul that sins shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. We've all offended God. God's offended by that. And there's the wrath of God to deal with. But because of Jesus, when we saved Jesus, Jesus took the wrath of God for us. And now we have peace with God. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Romans 8.1. So we have peace with God. He's the prince of peace. He provided peace with us for God, salvation. But he also gives us peace. 
I need that peace. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. John 14, 27. Peace I give to you. My peace. Not as the world gives. I don't give worldly peace. Woo, it comes and goes, doesn't it? Ah, it's all as quiet in a nation. And then all of a sudden, some other country's sending missiles. Where's your peace? Your life is going along. Everything's cool. And all of a sudden, boom, something happens to you. Where's your peace? Jesus, I give you peace, not worldly peace, my very own peace. Divine peace Jesus will give you. So he says, let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Jesus' peace gives us stability, you guys, stability in this world. The world is shaking and will be shaking even more as we are preparing for the Lord's return in these last days. In John 14, same chapter, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives.
Like the voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord, Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries is looking for those who will partner with us in this ministry of making a path straight for the Lord directly to the hearts of listeners. If you would like to partner with us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and deliver the saving grace of our Lord to others through volunteering, through prayer, and through donations, please call us at 602 866 8999. That's 602 866 8999.